We are beginning a brand new sermon series today, and um, I'm going to be honest with you. If, if you would ask my staff, they would probably say this is the most nervous they've ever seen me for a sermon series. And the reason that they would say it's the most nervous that I've ever been for a sermon series is because I told them this is the most nervous I've ever been for <laughs> a sermon series. So... Um, here over the next several weeks, we're going to look at, at relationships and we're going to look at marriage. And I've never done a marriage series before, so this is kind of new ground for me. I've preached several sermons on marriage, but as, par, but, but as far as putting a series together from beginning to end on marriage, I've, I've never done that. I've worked behind the scenes alongside many, many, many couples who were struggling in marriage and but for whatever reason, I mean, there are several reasons that I just have never felt qualified to speak on it from the stage. And so let, let, let me say this right up front. Today's message is going to be a little bit different, okay? Uh, there, there, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, and this just feels so gross to say as a preacher, but there's not a, a ton of scripture in today's message. I'm really just trying to lay a foundation for the rest of the series. So if you're a guest here with us, thank you so much for being here. Please don't leave thinking, this guy doesn't even read the Bible. You know, like I promise I do come back next week and we'll dive in to some text. But, but there really are several reasons why I, don't, why I believe I have never done a series on marriage. One reason would be the times in my adult life that I have felt the greatest spiritual warfare, that I feel like I've gone through this greatest spiritual warfare have been during times that I have been preaching on spiritual warfare. And I did not want to invite that into my home for a long, long time. I, 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 if you guys would pray for me over that over the course of this month, I would really, really appreciate another reason why I haven't done a, a, a series on marriage is because if you would say, Andy, what's the key to a happy marriage? My answer would be, Mary Heather Turner. And none of you get to do that. Because I already did. And um, so that, that probably would not be a very long or, or good sermon series. So uh, that, that has kind of held me out. But another reason was because I, I never felt like or I haven't felt like that I was old enough or mature enough to, to talk about this, this, this very, very personal topic. Because... Who wants to hear some guy get up on a stage with a microphone on his face and talk about marriage who hasn't really been married very long? Like, if I was in your seat, I'd be like, I don't know if I want you. But I am now on the other side of 40, praise God, you know. And, uh, and, and here in two months, Heather and I will celebrate 19 years of marriage. So, so for... <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I have put up with a lot, you know, over the course... 19 years, um, but I, I fear maybe, maybe now uh, I've, I've been doing this long. A another reason why I haven't done this is, is because I believe that you need to have a certain amount of relationship with a church body before you talk about such a personal topic, and, and I don't believe that I get that credibility just because there's the title lead pastor next to my name. I believe that 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 credibility is earned over time and, 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 and through building relationships. And, 
And now I've been here for six and a half years and you guys haven't kicked me out yet. So, so maybe it's okay to go ahead and dive into this. Besides, that's another big reason. If you pay attention to, to the teaching that we do here, one of the things that we focus on more than anything is we want you, we want us all to become more like Jesus. And that's kind of been my cop-out for not talking about this directly. Because I believe if you become more like Jesus, you will become a better husband or you will become a better wife. If you become more like Jesus, you'll become a better mom and a better dad. You will become a better grandma and a better grandpa. If you become more like Jesus, you'll become a better aunt and a better uncle. If you become more like Jesus, you'll become a better friend, a better neighbor, a better co-worker. If you become more like Jesus, you will become a better person. So, but probably the biggest reason, the biggest reason I have not like jumped into this series yet is because I know that not everybody in here is married. And I know that for some of you, it is a choice not to be married. And I know that for some of you, it was not your choice not to be married. I know that for some of you, the reason you're not married is because of a great tragedy. I know for some of you that the topic of marriage is just very, very hurtful. And the last thing that I want to do is hurt you. And so we've tried as, as we put this series together. Our, our hope is, is that no matter where you are in life, that, that this can still be a series that you can learn from. That if you are mar married, this is a series for you. If you were one day married, but are no longer married, but in the back of your mind think maybe once again you will become married, this series is for you. If you are currently in a relationship and you think that one day this relationship may lead to marriage, this series is for you. If you are too young to really be thinking about marriage, but, but again, maybe one day way, way, way down the road, marriage will be in your future, this series is for you. And then this is kind of the catch-all. If you know somebody who is married, <laughs> if you love somebody who is married, if you are able to speak into the life of somebody who may be going through marital problems, then this series is also for you. And so the, the question must be asked, well, well why now? Why, why do I feel like that this is the right time? And, and honestly, I don't know if it's from the pandemic. I, I, I don't know if it's coming out of the pandemic. I, you know, early on in the pandemic, you heard so many stories about husbands and wives fighting because they were not used to spending that amount of time together. And, and I, I don't know what it is that's taking place, but it just feels like everywhere that, 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 that we turn right now, that there's some sort of, 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 of let's call them growing pains in, in people's relationships, some sort of, of struggle in, in people's relationships. And, and so it just felt like that maybe this was the right time. And in addition to that, we have a lot of young couples here who may have marriage and they're not too distant future. And so my goal is to try and give us some sort of handles on, on, on how to live a life and how to have a marriage that is, is full because there's nothing there is nothing in, in, in my more than 20 years of ministry that has broken my heart more than the times that I've sat in a room with people that I love who, who tell me that things are not going well at home. There's nothing more painful. That's one of the things that I am not able to leave at work. I'm really good at leave, leaving stuff at work. But whenever I hear those stories, those are the things that I cannot 
leave at work, that they go with me. I cannot compartmentalize that away because there is nothing like the pain of marital strife. And unfortunately, too many of you know that pain far too intimately. And unfortunately, far too many of you have been shaped by that pain because you remember watching as a child as your parents' marriage fell apart. And so maybe you, you hear all of this, and some of you, you are thinking, finally, I've been waiting for them to talk about relationships. I've been waiting for them to talk about marriage. You love talking about your relationship. There's nothing that excites you more right now than knowing after you leave this place, you get to go to lunch and have a deep conversation. And then there's some of you who are thinking, man... I was finally starting to like this place, you know? <laughs> like, you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to fix it. You kind of live by the motto, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? If there are no alarm, signs, uh, alarm sounds going off, then everything must be okay. But either way, whichever camp you fall in, I am so thankful that you're here, and I have been praying over this series, and I'm praying that, 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 that throughout it, the Lord will strengthen our relationships and our families, again, throughout the series. And, and I, I want to say this again, for this message today specifically, this is a message that I wish I could just sit around a table with every single one of you and have. Because this is not a message that is best set up for this format. This is not a message that's best set up for a guy to have a microphone on his face that just gets to talk at you. This is a message that is best set up for dialogue. And so if, if something that I say today, like you're like, oh, that's, you, know, I, I, you know, that guy's a complete moron, that might be true. But at least give me the chance to prove to you that I'm a moron or maybe there is just a misunderstanding here. Does that make sense? Okay, so it was about 15 years ago that I heard a sermon series by Andy Stanley. And it, it was a series on marriage. And it was one of those things that I had pulled into my driveway. And he was only, you know, about halfway through a message. And I just had to sit in my car and let it keep going. I, I, I had to see where this thing was going. And, and eventually the message finished and I'm sitting in my car and I have tears in my eyes. And and I know I can't go inside at that moment and, and face my wife because we'd only been married a handful of years. But throughout the course of, of this sermon series, one thing became painfully obvi obvious to me. And it was the fact that I was a selfish jerk. And I didn't want to go in and, and, and face my wife. And I'm ashamed to say that far too often I am continually confronted with the fact that I can be a selfish jerk. But the series was released, like I said, about 15 years ago. The iPhone had just come out, and so Andy Stanley, being the brilliant guy that he is, uh, decided to name his series iMarriage. Isn't that catchy? iMarriage? Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, but I, I thought this material was so good back in the day that literally for the last 15 years, anytime I've done premarital counseling, anytime that I've done marital counseling, it's literally centered around this material. And so while I've never preached a full series on this material, I have definitely taught through this material a number of times. And my goal for today is just to simply try and set up the topic. And I am confident that some of you will disagree with a lot of what I have to say, which is always a really fun place to start a sermon, let me tell you. But I'm confident that many of you will disagree with what I have to say, and, and, and that's okay. 
But I want you to know that over the years that I've met with couples who are struggling, and, and whenever we kind of try to get down to the root of their struggles, almost always the root comes back to what we're going to talk about over the course of this series. So the question I have for you as we get started this morning is, are you ready? Okay, three of you are ready. Let's go. <clears throat> One thing that we all have in common is whenever we enter into a marriage, I don't know if you guys can, can see this or not, this box says hopes, dreams, and desires. I know we have this weird little shaped auditorium, but... One of the things that, that we all enter into a, a, a relationship with, one thing that we all enter in, into our marriage with is a box that is full of hopes and dreams and desires. We have this because we are, are human and it's natural to think about what you want the future to look like. And, and, and some of what's in this box you are clearly able to define and some of the things that are in this box you are not able to define. Much of it you're aware of, some of it you're probably not even aware that it is something that is in your box, but I'll try and illustrate a, a, a few of them. You know, we, we have hopes, dreams, and desires as we go into a relationship about, about this stuff, about money, right? Like we, 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 some people think, yeah, I need a lot of money. You know, that, that's kind of the, the dream. That's the goal. That's the desire. I need a lot of money. Some are like, I don't need that much money because love will carry us on, you know? And Maybe you have a hope, dream, and desire about being a single-income family, or maybe you feel like you need to be a double-income family. Maybe, maybe you're thinking that, that you know, we'll, we'll have one bank account. Maybe we'll have two bank accounts. You know, maybe you, you, you want to, to, to have enough money that, that budgeting isn't really a big deal, that, you know, sure, we need to have a budget, but more or less, we're just going to see how far this will go. Maybe you're a meal plan family. Maybe you're a takeout kind of family, but but we have hopes, dreams, and desires about money. Another thing that we have hopes, dreams, and desires about is our house. The kind of house you want to live in. I, I remember growing up, my family always had a one-story house. And I always thought it would be the coolest thing in the world to have stairs in a home. And now that I have a house that has stairs, I realize why my family wanted a one-story house. Because dog hair kind of just gets in stairs and just like lives there and you can create a whole other dog, you know, from, 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 from the house. But, 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 you know, maybe you have hopes, dreams, and desires about I want a single-story home. I want a, a, a two-story home. I, 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 I want to rent. I want to own. I want to live in, in, in the city. I want to live in the suburbs. I want to live in the country. I want to live on a coast. I want to live uh, in the mountains. I I want to live in the plains. I want my kids to be able to have their own room. I want my kids to be able to, or to, to have to share a room. You know, you have, I want a, a craft room, or I want a play room, or I want a man cave. You know, you have, you have all the hopes, the dreams, and the desires. You have, have this thing, and man, this thing becomes so important in, in marriage. You know, just this this idea of the calendar and a clock, you know, you, 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 you have the way that, that you spend your time. I've, if I were guessing, some of the very first fights that many of you probably had with your spouse were either over money or holidays. Money or holidays, you know, and, and, and maybe you're the really generous spouse and you're thinking, honey, I only need to spend three holidays with my family. As long as I can spend Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter with my family, you can have, you can have the rest. You know, you can have Flag Day, you can have St. Patrick's Day. 
the 4th of July, you know, all of those are for you. I just need three. You, you go through and, 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 and you think about, you know, travel. Every, everybody has dreams about how they want to travel. Do they want to see the world or are they happy just seeing their backyard? You know, are we okay in this region? Do we want to travel to the coast? Do we want to travel to the mountains? Do we want to stay in the United States or do we want to go abroad? And then, of course, everybody has hopes, dreams, and desires about, about children, Maybe you grew up with a sibling and you thought, I don't want my kids to have a sibling, you know? And so we just need one of these. Or maybe you grew up as an only child and, and you thought, I don't want my kid to be an only child, so I want to make sure that there's more. And then, and then maybe your first three were girls. And so you thought, we might as well give it another go and see if we can finally get the little boy, you know? And and, and, and then, then you have the really fun things, the things that, that you dream about all the time. Like chores, you know? Nobody wants to do chores, but you know they have to be done. You're thinking, well, somebody will handle the inside chores, somebody will handle the outside chores, and then others of you are thinking, well, I thought that's why we had kids, you know? So, so we didn't have to worry about those things. You, you, you have hopes, dreams, and desires about the kind of transportation that you have. I want something that's fun. I want something that's fast. Or I want something that's a little more practical, you know. And I, I, I love talking to, to young couples and young families after they've had like their first kid or something like that. And they all say the same thing. Oh, I'll never get a minivan. I just look at them and say, you're an idiot. You know, like, that's so dumb, you know, but, but no, you gotta, I'll be an SUV person forever, and I get it, I said the same thing, but now I'm on like my fourth minivan, so, and then you have the, the whole conflict resolution, and I apologize for the example for conflict, I do not recommend in the midst of your conflict with your spouse to grab boxing gloves, that's not what this is, I just didn't know how else to illustrate conflict, but are, 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 are we yellers, you know, is that how we do, are we people who just get everything off of our chest, or are we people who need to separate and go for a drive and spend time, you know, you know and time out, and then think about things, and then come back and and have a discussion. And then, of course, you have the hopes, the dreams, and the desires <laughs> about what your spouse might wear to bed, you know. <laughs> They're thinking, oh, well, they love me. They just want me to be comfortable. And so there, there's this. If somebody wants this, you can pay me for it. I'll give it to you. Um, and then the wives are sitting there thinking, I thought I married a guy with a six-pack. When in the world did you decide that you got to decide you were going to have a keg, you know, instead of six-pack? But we all have these boxes of hopes, dreams, and desires. And the reason that we all have these boxes, and the reason that everybody's boxes are different is because your box of hope, dreams, and desires are largely made up of the things that you've seen and the things that you've experienced. Some of you have a, grew up in a family to where you looked at your parents and you're like, that's the gold standard. That's, that's exactly what I want my relationship with my wife, with my spouse, you know, with my husband. That's exactly what I want it to look like one day. Maybe it wasn't your parents. Maybe it was a friend's parents. Maybe it was a youth pastor and his wife. But at the same time, some of you grew up in homes that was full of dysfunction and and whenever you, you, you think back on, on the way that you grew up, you, you didn't learn what you wanted from your family, but instead you learned what you wanted to avoid 
from your family. But through all that you see and all that you experience, you are constantly building your box. You are, you, you are figuring out things that you want to recreate, and you're identifying things that you want to avoid. But it all comes together to make up your box. But, but, but here's where the tension comes in. Here's where the tension, because all this, I mean, none of that sounds bad, right? I mean, here, but here's where the tension comes in. Because whenever you stand on a stage like this, and you have a pastor up here, and, and your bride is, is dressed so beautifully, and the groom, he, you know, he looks so handsome. You're surrounded by all your best friends, and, and the, the, the preacher says something along the lines of, do you take this woman to be your wife, your lawfully wedded wife, and, and you end up saying, I do, and, and then do you take this man to be your husband? I do, there, there, there's something mysterious that happens whenever those words I do come out of our mouth. And if we're not careful, this very innocent box of hopes, dreams, and desires can quickly turn into a box of expectations. Now all of a sudden, you know, it's not just my box of hopes, dreams, and desires, but now it is my box of hopes, dreams, and desires that I am expecting you to fulfill. And whenever that happens, we end up putting a weight on people that they are incapable of carrying. But if that was just a one-way exchange, we could make that work. But the problem is it's a two-way exchange to where you have the wife, you know, the, the, the woman has her very innocent box of hopes, dreams, and desires, and she's handing it to her husband, and, and the husband's taking his very innocent box of hopes, dreams, and desires, and he's handing it to his wife, and, and then you end up with this incredible, incredible tension because what happens when the two boxes collide? What happens whenever the two boxes don't match up? Sometimes. That's whenever I get an email. Sometimes that's whenever I get the, 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 the email that says, Andy, I need to talk. Sometimes that's where the words irreconcilable differences come into play. Sometimes that's whenever people take their box and, and they move on. Sometimes there's, there, there, there's, there, maybe there's a louder spouse. The louder spouse does not mean that they're the right spouse, but they're just the louder spouse. And, and maybe the louder spouse is determined that, that they're going to win, that they're going to convince you that they're right. They're going to convict you. They're going to try and control you. Maybe, may, may, maybe there's, there, there, there's times where where, where, where one spouse will decide that I'm just going to conform, that they will leave their box in order to keep the peace. And, and while that may be able to work for a bit, we all know that doing away with who we are is not the answer, but probably the most popular answer is that we try to compromise. And don't get me wrong, compromise sounds like the win. I mean, a little give and a little take never hurt anybody. But I'll tell you this. A majority of the marital counseling that I've done over the years has been with couples who have tried to build the relationship on compromise. And here's, here's where it, it, it gets a little bit messy. Because whenever you try to build a relationship on compromise, it is so, so easy for your relationship to become a scoreboard relationship. To where all of a sudden there's a scoreboard in every single room of your house to where, to where it's like, well, you did this, so now I get to go do that. 
you bought this, so I get to go buy that. You went there, so now I'm going to go here. And in every scoreboard relationship that I've seen, there's always this underlying resentment towards your spouse. It generally leads to one person thinking that they're getting the short end of the stick, that they're being taken advantage of, that things are not fair or balanced. And don't get me wrong, this can work, but your marriage can be so much more. Listen, as Jesus followers, the goal for our marriage is not for it to simply work. The goal for our marriage is for it to be a light to the world. That whenever, whenever the world looks at our marriage, they see a picture of the way that Jesus loves the church. That's the goal. That's so much more than just having a, a marriage that, that works. And so we hand our, when, when we hand our box to our spouse and say, here you go, this is yours now. Now, now, now go make it happen. We allow our hopes, our dreams, and our desires to become expectations. When we allow that to happen, we slowly slide from a covenant relationship, which, which marriage is, and we slowly move into a contract relationship. We move from a covenant relationship into a debt-debtor relationship. We move from a covenant relationship into a you-owe-me relationship. And I know that we live in a world that's full of expectations. You go to your job and either you're giving expectations or you have expectations. And in most cases, probably both. With your kids, you have expectations. With your electric company and with your mortgage company, you have expectations. But your relationship with your spouse is meant to be so much more and experience so much more intimacy and gratitude than any of those other relationships. Think about it like this. How much appreciation do you show someone when they do exactly what you tell them to do? The answer? Zero. Why? Because they're just doing what they're supposed to do. That is a dangerous mindset that can make its way and to a marriage, how much gratitude do you show when someone pays you what they owe you? They owe you $20 and they give you $20. How much gratitude do you show that person? Very little. Why? Because they're just doing what they were expected to do. Expectations erode gratitude and intimacy. I have an example here. This is what I got after paying my mortgage last, last month. It, you, you can read it. Hi, Andrew. That's my real name. We've received your payment for your loan. Thank you. And every month, whenever I get that email, I cannot tell you how loved and appreciated that I feel. I mean, come on. That's not the kind of relationship that we want to have with our spouse. You did what you were supposed to do. So that's, that's that. So it brings up the question, what do we do with this box? What do we do with our hopes and our dreams and our desires? And this is where I know that some of you are going to push back. And again, that's okay. I wish we were around a table. But the answer is, you keep them in the box. You keep your hopes, your dreams, and your desires in the box because anything else is expecting someone else to carry a weight that they were never meant to 
to, to carry. I love this quote from Andy Stanley, and I probably should have just said this quote, and we could have been done like 30 minutes ago, so that's, that's my bad. But I love this quote so much. He says, happy couples know that they owe each other everything, but they expect nothing in return. I'm going to say that again because that's pretty powerful. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything, but they expect nothing in return. And maybe you hear that and, and you're thinking, well, Andy, that doesn't make sense. And my response would be, exactly. You're right, it doesn't. But whenever you look at the happiest couples that you know, isn't there something about their relationship that just doesn't make sense? I mean, they're so steady no matter what's going on. They're so joyful even in the midst of, of great pain, and, 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 and they're just so at, 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 at peace. But I believe that the reason that I love this teaching so much and I believe the reason that it impacted me so much all those years ago is because whenever I look at, at the person of Jesus, whenever I look at the story of the New Testament, I believe that this teaching comes straight from the heart of Jesus. And this is what we do talk about here on a very regular basis. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathers around with his disciples, the very disciples that he knows, every single one of them within a matter of hours are going to abandon him. He knows that one of them have already sold him out for 30 pieces of silver, yet Jesus comes up into the upper room, he takes off his outer robe, he fills a bowl full of water, and he goes and he washes his disciples' dirty, nasty, stinky feet. And then he said these words. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. I mean, just think about what would it look like if we just took this one simple teaching and dropped it square in the middle of each and every one of our marriages. Love your spouse, love your husband, love your wife, just as Jesus has loved you. I promise you would begin to serve each other more. I promise you'd begin to care for each other more. I promise you'd begin to listen more. I, I promise you'd begin to strive for the well-being of the other a little bit more. The Apostle Paul, he gives us such a similar teaching. I mean, just think if we applied this to our marriage, Philippians 2. Therefore, if, any, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And then verse 3, this is a marriage verse. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but rather in humility, consider others, consider your spouse better than yourself. Then verse five, this verse is just so, so beautiful. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude, have the same mindset, 
is Christ Jesus. And as we long to apply this to every area of our lives, as we continually strive to become more like Jesus, may we never neglect applying this to the most important human relationship most of us will ever have. It is so crazy whenever you think about this world, whenever you think about, whenever you think about your life, the people that you claim to love the most are the ones who see the ugliest side of you. But if that's true, which I believe it is, I'll speak for me. It is for me. You guys can speak for yourself. If that's true, may the people that we claim to love the most also see us more clearly than anybody else, striving to become more like Jesus. So as we close out this morning, I have a little bit of homework for you. And before those of you who love talking about relationships get too excited with the homework, this is homework for you, not your spouse, okay? But I want you just to think about these three questions over the course of this week. Question number one, what does your spouse owe you? What does your spouse owe you? Question number two, what's in your box? What's in your box of hopes and dreams and desires? And question number three, and this is a big one. Do you expect somebody else to carry this box for you? Next week, we're going to dive into a text that I believe tells us how all this is possible. So please do not think that this message is the end of the book. This is just the beginning. So please come back next week. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything, but they expect nothing in return. Will you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, I thank you for today, and God, I do thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you for the way that you've ordained it, the way that you've set it up. I mean, as a society, we can get so, so far from your purpose and your truth. Jesus, whenever we come back to the way that you've designed things, it is just so incredibly beautiful. And so as we go throughout this week and as we go throughout this series, would you please do a great work in our relationships? May they become stronger than they've ever been before. Will you help us look to, to, to honor you and to honor you by honoring our spouse? Jesus, we, we desperately, desperately need you. Our families, they, they need you. So please do great things in and among us. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.